Good morning, church. Wonderful Hope family. It's so good to be back with you. I've been on study leave for uh, February. I've been writing material specifically for church leaderships. I've had a great time, but I've missed you terribly. One of the experiences that we had while we were on, um, uh, on this sabbatical was that uh, Floss and I got it, we got our vaccination, which was just wonderful. I want to tell you, I was so deeply moved as I went to see all these amazing volunteers who were giving their time and their energy. They were so welcoming. They were so sacrificial. It was just, I was deeply moved by their sacrifice, by their commitment, um, it was one of those wonderful experiences. I was, nearly, I was nearly in tears. So can I just recommend to you, if you've not had your vaccine yet, when it's time for you, just go with massive enthusiasm. It's a wonderful service. We are truly grateful. So we are now continuing in our series, Name Above All Names. And let me just say this in introduction. The Renaissance master, Michelangelo, was asked by his pupil, Raphael, to uh, comment on a portrait that he was painting uh, of Jesus. So Michelangelo went to Raphael's uh, studio while he was out for lunch, and he looked at the portrait. He then picked up a paintbrush, got some paint on the end of it, and painted across the canvas, Amplius, 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 Amplify. Make Jesus bigger, larger, make more of Jesus. Well, in a sense, that sums up what this series is all about. What we are trying to do as we look at the name above all names. It's all about amplifying Jesus, making more of Jesus. Jesus, letting the vision of Jesus grow ever larger in your minds and in your hearts. In Mark's account of the life of Jesus in his Gospels, he notes this, that disciples and the crowds that gather had this reaction to Jesus's character, to his teaching and to his miracles. It was one of amazement, astonishment. Astonishment. In fact, 10 times Mark uses words that are translated amazement or astonishment. He uses two words, they're both used five times each, equally each, and they have been translated this amazing, astounding. One of these words carries the meaning to tremble. So impacted were they with the life of Jesus that they trembled in his presence. The other word uh, really can be translated to be bowled over, to be totally overwhelmed. So in this series, we have one goal, one goal in mind, and that is to amplify, amplify Jesus, that it so causes us to tremble in amazement and be bowled over, blown away, Polaxed and overwhelmed in astonishment at this amazing God, Jesus. Now, some of you will know Craig Revel Horwood, the Strictly Come Dancing Judge. He's famous for his one word statement of highest praise 
amazing. Well, uh, <clears throat> I don't think actually though those dancers can be pretty amazing. Uh, I don't think that's the appropriate word to use. In fact, I think amazing really is the only word, the only time it should be used is in relationship to our God and to our Jesus. So again, this morning, we want to amplify, amplify Jesus. So as we look at this, I just want you to be freshly enchanted, enamored, engrossed, entranced, enthused, electrified, excited, enticed, enthroned, exhilarated and enraptured by Jesus. I want you to be freshly astonished, amazed, awed, astounded, absorbed, agog, beguiled, bedazzled, charmed, consumed and captivated by the one and only Jesus Christ. I want you to be freshly fascinated, gripped, intrigued, impassioned, intoxicated, infatuated, mesmerized and monopolized, overwhelmed and obsessed and preoccupied and wrapped by Jesus. And finally, I want you to be, to be freshly startled and staggered, smitten and stunned, stupefied and spellbound, thrilled, tantalized and thunderstruck by the indescribable, the indefinable, the unspeakable, the inexpressible, the incomprehensible and the invincible Jesus. Wow. Name above all names is the name of Jesus. When I was speaking on this series, right at the beginning of the series, I took you to uh, Ravenna in Italy, to a 5th century mausoleum, which contains some most magnificent early mosaics. The focal point of Gala Positia is a mosaic on the ceiling that is the depiction of the Good Shepherd, surrounded by sheep in an emerald paradise. Could there be a better name to focus on in this place of final rest? For there is nothing more comforting than knowing our Jesus is the good shepherd. Or as we find it in scripture, Jehovah Ra, the good shepherd. Now, much of uh, the names of God that we've been looking at have been found in the Old Testament, and we've been referring to Old Testament scriptures. But on this one, I thought we'd look at some New Testament scriptures that reinforce this name of our God, Jehovah Ra, the Good Shepherd. So we're going to look at John chapter 10. The words of the scriptures will come up on the screen for you. But if you've got a Bible, I would just encourage you to turn to John chapter 10. And we're going to just start reading at verse 11. Before that, Jesus is declaring another name, that he's the gate. But now we're going to look at Jesus, the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. This is verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. 
Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own account. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. We're going to just look at this passage and we're going to particularly focus on three things that this passage uh, simply declares to us. Three wonders, if you like, of the good shepherd. Jehovah Ra. And they're simply these. The shepherd who shields or protects, if you like. The shepherd who shields, the shepherd who speaks, and the shepherd who sacrifices. And we start with the shepherd who shields. Now, for the majority of us who've been brought up in very much urban world and urban environment, it's very difficult for, for us to understand just how much a shepherd valued his sheep, especially Middle Eastern shepherds, and what value they gave to every individual fluffy ball that they had on their pastures. In this reading, Jesus compares himself with a typical hired hand, a laborer in the fields, who has little compassion and little value for the sheep. But the good shepherd, the one that Jesus is, is not like the hired hand. He would sacrifice everything for the well-being of the sheep. When the flock is endangered by a wolf, the hired hand just retreats and the lamb is consumed. But the good shepherd so values every sheep that there is nothing, no, nothing, not even giving of his own life. Nothing will be spared to shield and protect his flock. Such value he holds us in. Now, I don't know if you were caught up with a story recently of Lady Gaga and her dogs that were stolen. Recently, a man walking her three dogs while Lady Gaga was out of the country was shot four times in the chest and two men stole two of the um, French bulldogs that she owned. She loved these dogs so much that she offered half a million dollars in return of her dogs with no questions asked. You get some idea of how much those creatures were valued by Lady Gaga. But that pales into insignificance in the light of the good shepherd and his willingness to sacrifice absolutely everything, even himself, 
for the saving of just one lamb. Let me take you to the Old Testament for a moment and one gigantic character of the Old Testament, the life of David. He was the shepherd boy who became a king over Israel. And he's uniquely described as a man after God's own heart. Maybe it was because he shepherded as the good shepherd would shepherd. Now, there's a great challenge to the people of Israel. It is this monster of a being called Goliath, who's mocking the armies of God's people. And David goes to the battle scene, and I just want to give you a few words from a conversation that he has with the king of that day, King Saul. This is what it says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its very mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, that's Goliath, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And of course we know that's exactly what happened. Well, Jesus is our good shepherd. And David caught something of his spirit. It, we are not worth half a million dollars. We are priceless. Jesus would give his very life, his flesh and blood, just to save one of us. Such is our value. I want you to grasp, just a moment, uh, your value in relationship to God's protection and shielding. A famous uh, preacher tells a story about his son, Bart. Now, Bart was just a little baby, but he loved his favourite blanket. This blanket that was, he was wrapped up in at birth, this yellow blanket that he had, and uh, it became his favourite blanket. He gave it a name, he called it Yellow, and Bart needed yellow. He needed it every time he was upset or tired. Just pressing yellow to his little face brought him instantaneous comfort and the assurance that all was well with the world. He used the blanket so often and so demanded it constantly that his parents ended up ripping it in two so that he could have one half while they washed the other half. He just couldn't be without yellow. You know, whenever they travelled, the first thing that was packed was yellow. The blanket um, disintegrated over time. It became just a rag. It, some, just some, some threads put together. But if Bart was upset, all he needed was his yellow. Its value was established, not intrinsically, because the, the blanket was worth nothing of itself. 
but it had such value because someone cared for it and loved it so much. And so it is with me, and so it is with you. Your value has been established. Not because we are great achievers or because of our position in life. We are of immense value because God loves us. The good shepherd loves us with an ever-sacrificing love. You know, we can never diminish a person's worth or another one's worth, our own worth for that matter. The king of glory loves us with an everlasting love. We have such value and worth. And because we have such value and worth, he does all he can to protect us and watch over us. Let me take you to um, an illustration, I think, of a, a great act of shielding and protection. And we find it in a family movie called The Bear. And in this film, great family film, uh, a tiny bear cub uh, is left abandoned because his mother dies. And as this film opens, we just think there is no, absolutely no hope for this bear cub. Uh, then something really extraordinary takes place, uh, uh, really a bit unnatural. But a a great big male bear comes along, what they call a Kodiak, and um, this cub touches Kodiak's heart. Normally, a, a male bear would just kill the cub and eat it. It's not of their own. But this bear adopted the cub and protected it in every way possible. There was a mountain lion that was stalking this cub. But the uh, Kodiak bear always watched over him. And it's a story of how the, the young cub learns how to face life by imitating his father. So his father, is, or rather his adopted father, uh, teaches him much. So everything the father does, he does. So he waddles in the stream. He stabs at fish in the water. He stands on two legs, scratches his back against the tree and growls as fiercely as he can. And you watch this and you begin to be filled with some hope for the cub. But one day, the two get separated. The, the, The little bear cannot see Kodiak, his adopted father. And the mountain lion who's been stalking him all this time now sees this as his opportunity. He's never forgotten this cub and he's always wanted to eat it. So he managed to get close to the cub face to face. You know, it's a moment of disaster. Well, the little bear just does what he, he remembers his father used to do. So he got up on his hind legs and growled. But of course, a cub doesn't growl. He just squeaked a pathetic, a pathetic growl. And you were convinced that at that moment in time, the mountain lion would leap and all was over. Then suddenly, the camera focuses on the mountain lion, uh, sort of like uh, in uh, 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 amplified way. And then you notice that the 
face of the lion suddenly registers fear. He stops snarling, he turns round and he slinks away. And the camera returns to the cup and he's surprised thinking, God, I scared this lion away. I, that's amazing. Look, well, I did just one growl. What he did not see is what the cameras then showed. They panned behind the cab, and there, standing on his two back legs, standing as high as could be, with his paw outstretched, was Kodak, adopted father. One single swipe would have destroyed the mountain lion. See, there is nothing to worry about. Because if I can mix metaphors, the good shepherd has very big paws and a fierce growl. See, particularly at times like this, I think we feel often alone, vulnerable, exposed, is God really there? Can he shield us and protect us? Well, he has amazing paws and the loudest growl you will ever hear. And this amazing truth that nothing can separate us from the good shepherd. See, we might find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death, but we need not to fear no evil. For the good shepherd is right alongside us and he will shield us and he will protect us. Before we move on to the second point, I just want to pray. I want to pray for those who really feel they need protection, that they need God's hand over them. In the midst of this pandemic, it's brought many fears. It's affected our emotions. It's affected the way that we think, our mental health. It may have affected us physically in our health. I just want to pray for you right now. Can we just do that? And I want the Good Shepherd to come close to you, so close to you, that first of all, you realise how much you are worth and you realise that there's a big, big bear behind you, protecting you and watching over you. And we call him the Good Shepherd. So, Father, I just bring everyone watching this right now who feels they need your protection. They feel vulnerable in their emotions, in their mental health, in their physical well-being. I pray right now for a fresh revelation of their value and worth in the eyes of the Good Shepherd. Jesus. Jesus. And I pray for those who are in mental turmoil right now. I break the hold right now of mental illness and I declare wholeness and peace in your troubled minds. Liberty and freedom. Because you know the Good Shepherd will shield you and protect you. Amen. Secondly, the shepherd who speaks. In this passage, we read about the sheep who listen to his voice, who listen to his voice. Let me take you to uh, John 10 again, but to some earlier verses than the ones we read. In that passage where he describes himself as the gatekeeper. This is John 10, 3. 
The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought out or all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. There's this great repetition, this great emphasis that as his sheep, we have a shepherd who speaks to us and we have the ability to hear his voice. Let me take you to the place where, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he is facing one of the fiercest battles that he has to face. He's, uh, there's an onslaught from the devil. And in order to fight this, Jesus goes to a quiet place and prays and fasts for 40 days. You'd think that would weaken him. No, no, no. That strengthens him for the fight. You know, sacrificial prayer is the greatest gym exercise you will ever do. And fasting will fortify you like nothing else. So Satan comes to him with the first temptation. Having seen him not eat for 40 days, he says this in Matthew 4, 3. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes, that continues to pour out from the mouth of God. Wow. This God who continues to speak to us. And in this passage, there's so much we can learn. We're just going to look at two things, two simple things. The first thing is this. You can hear his voice. Now, we hold the scriptures in the highest of values. And, uh, but we believe that when they were completed, God did not stop speaking. Yes, all we need to know theologically has been written down in the word of God. But God still speaks to us, continues to talk to his children. Today, he talks to you. Today, you can hear his voice. I'm constantly amazed by the nature programs that we see on our flat screen uh, televisions. And I remember one which featured emperor penguins. When their young were large enough, uh, both parents would leave to go fishing to get food for their young. And this is what I find amazing. How could they ever find their young again? Because as you can see from the picture, they look identical. So how can parents find their young amongst thousands? And it's simple. They recognize the chicks call. They recognize the chick's voice. Now, I don't want to be disparaging to penguins, but if animals like that with less intelligence than us can detect the voice of their young ones in a crowd so large, don't you think we have the ability to hear God's voice? I want to turn to um, the uh, sort of story of uh, what I've called the soccer mums and dads. This is um, the ability of humans to hear. And I want to use this illustration. So if you are a soccer mum and dad, 
that you take your uh, daughter or your son to watch a, a match, then um, you might have experienced this. Um, you will be, I'm sure, on the touchline shouting, uh, eager to spur your child on. Um, I want to tell you this. There may be loads of voices on the touchline, but they will be able to hear your voice. So here's a warning. Watch your language. <laughs> anyway, so you're shouting encouragement to your kid. How could they possibly hear you? Well, the human ear is an amazing thing. It actually hears everything twice. It will hear it on the outer ear, and then it will hear it again on the inner ear. And what happens because of this bonding exercise, we get to process our parents' voices, not just on the outer ear, but on the inner ear. We recognize it twice in a split second. We will hear it amplified and we know it's our parents cheering us on. Wow. We have this amazing ability to discern the voice of God as we do our parents. So, uh, young people, you are watching, just a little warning, when your parents said, did you hear me? Well, the reality is, you did. You processed it and you heard it, even if you don't want to hear it. My sheep hear my voice. Secondly, you must value his voice. Jesus, in this story of the temptations, is willing to die in the desert place, feasting on the voice of God. The voice of his father was more important than life itself. Is it like that for you? Do you hold listening and hearing God in such a high value? Let me ask you another question, which might help us to understand this. Do we appreciate the power of his voice. Here's a picture coming up now of the Huddle uh, telescope. This has spied out, is estimated as it goes around uh, uh, the stratosphere, that it's recognized 200 billion galaxies. Can you imagine that? Can you get your head around that? 200 billion galaxies. And recent research indicates that is only about 10% of the galaxies out there. Can you imagine that? Just 10%. Wow. And the universe is ever expanding. Now, have you got all that? Have you grasped all that? How has all that come into being? Because God, in the beginning, spoke just a few words. You could say he spoke, let there be light. And all of that began to be formed. Can you imagine it? Just one sentence causing 2,000 billion galaxies to come into existence and still multiply. Wow. That's how powerful God's word is. Can you imagine the difference it can make for you to hear God's word? Wow. I love this quote from Mark Batterson. Let me read it to you. The universe is God's way of saying, look at what I can do with a few words. 
The voice that spoke the universe into existence is the same voice that parted the Red Sea and made the sun stand still. His voice can heal a withered hand or wither a barren fig tree. His voice can turn water into wine, instore synaptic connections between the optic nerve and the visual cortex in a blind man's brain and resurrect a man four days dead. Wow. Lazarus, come forth. That was all he said. The power of such words. I want to pray now again. I want to pray for all those particularly who feel they need encouragement at this moment in time. Maybe you feel you haven't heard God's voice at all recently. Let me pray. I want you just to simply declare, Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You're constantly speaking to me. Speak to me now. Encourage me. I need to hear your voice. Now, I'm going to be silent for a moment. Just say those words in your own, own uh, vernacular and, and then just, just take note of what the first things that come into your mind. Write them down. Even better, if it's not too private, just put them on the chat straight away. So I just release the voice of God to you now. I pray for extraordinary words of encouragement just to flow from Father to your children, to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Speak, Lord. Your sheep are listening. Beautiful, Jesus. Help us to hear your voice every day, to be comforted and strengthened and encouraged by the most powerful voice that the world has ever known. Jesus. We'd love to know what God's been saying, so do please write down in that chat space right now what God's been saying. It will encourage everybody just to hear what God's been saying. Then finally, the shepherd who sacrifices. Maybe I should say the shepherd who sacrifices all. There's one dimension of the good shepherd that John 10 declares five times. Wow. This is John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let me just see the context. I think it will be helpful for us. The context is John 10.10. 10. I have come that you might have life and have it in the full. In fullness. Abundant. The good shepherd has one purpose only for every sheep, that it would experience as much of life as it can possibly in the frame it has. Wow. God's purpose for us is life in all its abundance, in all its fullness. That's the great heart 
of the Good Shepherd. But how is that possible? How can we come into such life? Well, it has a lot to do with the Good Shepherd sacrificing his all. See, sadly, through our rebellion, through our sin, through our waywardness, we have turned away from God. We've turned away from his rules. We've turned away from his kingship. We have rebelled against his authority. We are outside life. It's serious consequences. All like sheep have turned away. We've rebelled against the loving rule and reign of our God. A price has to be paid for our rebellion and there is one, one who loves us with unconditional love, who's willing to pay that price. The good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life so those who are lost, who are dead in sin can come alive in all its fullness through the supreme sacrifice of the Good Shepherd. Let me finish with just one story, a true story. The main warehouse where it was built, it was built on an ideal spot. Next to a river, the supplies and the deliveries could be made by such barges on the river. The only slight drawback was that um, the river would get silted up and needed to be regularly dredged. When sand comes out of the bottom of the river, is dumped on the side of the bank, uh, it's, it creates this sort of amazing play area for children. There's nothing more fun than playing on these huge sand hills. And there's nothing more dangerous. Because when the sand comes out of the river bottom, it's wet, uh, a crust forms over it. But when that crust breaks... Anybody standing on it would be sucked under and suffocated. All nearby children were for this reason forbidden to play anywhere near the sand hills. They were fenced off. But some years ago, two brothers didn't come home for dinner and their bikes were fined, leant up against the fence, uh, separating people from these dredging piles. The family began to search frantically as well as other rescuers for the two brothers. They finally found one. He was buried up to his chin in the sand and because of the pressure it was squeezing on his lungs he could hardly breathe. They dug him out to its waist and finally he was able to breathe deep breaths. He was alive. They were so thrilled. Then of course the question, where's your brother? Where's your brother? Where's your brother? The boy in anguish cried these words. I'm standing on his shoulders. While one brother was given life, the other was dying. While one was being buried, the other was being lifted up. What a sacrifice. What value to his brother. But there is the good shepherd. The good shepherd 
who loves the wayward sheep so much there is nothing that he would not do to raise us up from our sinful state to that place of glory and eternal life and it cost him his life. The cross and the burial in the tomb. Wow. That's the good shepherd who lays down his life for you. For you. You know, there's a strange thing in John 10. With this, I'll close. He says this, I have authority to lay down my life and I have authority to take it up. I love the passion story, but I see too many depictions in churches of the beginning of the passion story of Jesus nailed to a cross. But of course, the passion story ends with an empty tomb and a glorious, victorious good shepherd who has conquered sin and death so that we could conquer sin and death and be eternally inherited, inheritors of his presence and his glory. And that's available for you today.